Today on Growing Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. When you surrender your life to God, God, forgive my sins, take my life. The Holy Spirit takes out your heart of stone. I'll put it on me. Took out my heart of stone. It was hard. It was rock hard. And he put his Holy Spirit within me. And he wrote upon my new heart his law of love. Love God with your whole heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sit be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. Today on Growing Grace, Pastor Ed Ray will continue his verse-by-verse look at the Gospel of John by taking us back to chapter 17. You know, when you think of the great prayers in the Bible, perhaps Abraham's prayer in Genesis 18 comes to mind. Maybe Hannah's prayer or even Moses' prayer in Exodus 32. But Jesus' prayer in John 17, you'd have to put near the top of the list. The Lord is praying as he prepares for the pain, humiliation, and eventual crucifixion. We're looking at the high priestly prayer of Jesus, and let's see what we can take away from it and apply to our own prayer lives. They are not of the world, the 11, and by extension, you and me. They are not of the Babylon, just as I am not of Babylon. I'm not of the world either. Jesus repeats again what he said in verse 14 all over again. He didn't want them to miss it. 17, sanctify them. Now, the word sounds holy. It just means to set someone apart, to use them for a certain thing. We have a coffee pot in the cafe, right? We use it for coffee. It is sanctified to coffee. We don't use it to clean out the drains when the, it rains and mud and everything gets in there. We sanctify it for coffee. That's what this word means. Sanctify, set them aside for one use by your truth. You see, Jesus is the truth. Not, I hear young pastors say, this Bible has truth in it. No, that's not what Jesus said. He doesn't say that there's truth in it. He says, I am the truth, definite article. I'm the deal. I'm the source of everything that's true. Sanctify them by your truth, your word, why we study the Bible, is truth. It it is. As you sent me, Jesus speaking, into the world from heaven, I have also sent them, you, into the world. Now, you and I are called to go into all the world, John 16, 15 says, and preach, teach, share the good news, the gospel with others. It is a mission. You're on it, I'm on it. Sometimes I'm here, sometimes I'm other places in the world. And it's happened ever since I've been a believer. You need to expand your borders. You need to go into the world. Well, I share at work. Well, praise God, I'm glad you do. But Jesus said, I've sent them into the world. Now, we have two wonderful programs here at the church that go to Mexico every month. One of them 
Mexican Children's Aid is mostly guys, but my daughters have gone, so women can help load trucks too. They load up trucks with groceries and baby formula and diapers and take them down to almost 40 orphanages in Tecate and Sonata region. Once a month, they do that. Why? Because the government down there doesn't take care of them. There is no social security. There's nothing like that in Mexico. So people from this church every month go down there. You can go. Oh, give up a Saturday. Okay. Or you can go. There's a group right now in Mexico, in Sonata, at a place called Casa, the House of Esperanza. It's a battered woman shelter, and there's a lot of women there and their children. And we send a team down with Sunday school materials, and we teach the kids. And the women minister to the women. And it's a great opportunity to share your faith. Well, I don't speak Spanish. You live in Southern California. You know taco and enchilada, carne asada. Those are the only important words you need when you get to Mexico. You won't starve. Others will translate for you. Go into all the world. We have a lot of illustrations about how the world has been changed by people who go. I was reading this week about a church, a church building in Lekanam, it's called. That is the Centennial Methodist Church that was built in 1935 on the very place, the first church in Fiji, the Fiji Islands. This is the 10th largest island in Fiji. And the right in the center of it is the original church building. I mean, grass hut. Well, in 1835, two couples from a church went down there, and the Fijis were not friendly folks, okay? When they said, come on over for dinner, they meant they were going to eat you. And so they brought the gospel. There is a cannibal from Fiji, and um, he was, that's a war club in his hand. Notice that there's a blunt end on it to bash people's heads in. Nice. Thanks, Pastor. Thanks for sharing. This couple go there, and the youngest couple had their first baby born there, William Cross and his wife, Mary. David Cargo was the other couple. And they go there, and they share the gospel. And the first thing they had to teach the Fijian is that God didn't want them to eat their neighbor, literally. This is well documented. And their habit was, as cannibals, Every year, they prayed to the God of the harvest, their idol, and for a good harvest of fish as well as the growing things. And to offer a sacrifice, a young boy was put in a fount, three foot across, three foot high, carved out of coral. And I won't be graphic, but they killed him. And they collected his blood and they spread it around. When the Cross family got there and shared the gospel, they built that new church, the reason I showed you the picture, because right up in front, there's a baptismal fount, three foot across, the same fount that they used to just kill babies in, they baptized adults in now. And it's there right now. You say, well, we shouldn't impose our culture on other societies, really. Well, ask Steve Grace, next time he's here, the Australian guitar player that plays and sings, he actually lived in Iranjaira with his parents who were missionaries, and they were working 
with a tribe that were cannibals and they led the entire tribe to Christ. One tribe remains, oh, Pastor, you're talking about old history. This morning, there's a group from Wycliffe translators working amongst a group of people in Irangira, Java, New Guinea, who still have their friends over for dinner. It's a bad joke. Here's what the ship captain wrote when he dropped them off. Fiji was partly in a state of internal war. When the missionaries arrived, despite increasingly successful missionary activity, it has long been known as a warlike society and they still are practicing cannibalism. Is it an American gospel? No. Is it a European gospel? No. If you gotta put it somewhere, put it in the Middle East. It's the Oriental gospel. Orient, yeah. That's what it's still called at Cambridge, Oriental Studies. So the Oriental Gospel spread to Asia Minor, which spread to Greece, which spread to then all of Europe, which spread to America. And you and I are descendants of that. Verse 19, sure, I'm quiet in here, just talk about eating people, and next thing you know, nobody's hungry. Verse 19, and it's for their sakes. I sanctified, Jesus said, I set myself apart to pray for you right now, this morning. Jesus is praying for you. I believe on the cross, he saw every one of our faces, that the sins of every man, woman, and child that would ever live, he saw, and he died for you. He, he died for me. For their sakes, I, I set it myself aside that they also may be set aside by the truth. I'm interceding for them. I'm praying for them. He's praying for you. And then the second section, verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, the 11, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That's you. That's me. Because they believed what Jesus said and did, wrote it down, and you and I are the result of them being faithful to what they did. So, here we are, touched by a group of men that were obedient, and God wants us to be obedient to go into the world, and so on, and so on, until he returns. 21, that they all may be one. Here's the unity part. We might all be in agreement. Father, as you, Father, are in me, Father God in Jesus, and I in you, Jesus in God, the Trinity, that they may also be one with us, that the world may believe that you sent me, that you could be one with the Trinity, with Father God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what his prayer is. He prays for that to be true. It is a prayer that God is answering. Well, that unity thing doesn't seem to be working, Pastor. I hear about churches arguing all the time and splitting and moving on. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about. I was at a family from the church the other night in their home, and they had this little plaque on the wall. It said, to dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. Heaven will be wonderful. But to live below with saints we know, that's a different story. 
That's not the way it's supposed to be. Unity is supposed to be a love relationship with every person that calls themselves a believer, that believes that Jesus came and died for them. That's what you and I are called to. Now, I think people are slightly disturbed who argue over those things about, you know, whether you can wear pants at church, where women can wear cosmetics or, or whatever, the crazy things that don't matter. And I learned that that they're demanded from a class I took years ago at the University of Redlands. There was a psychologist there, a clinical psychologist. He saw people every day, but he also taught at the university. And he told the class I was in of visiting a prison for the criminally insane just a few days before that. And he said, when I walked in, I saw the clients, his patients. And then he said it was lunchtime. So I went outside and there was this big expanse of grass, maybe an acre of grass and trees. It was beautiful. And there were all the patients read wackos. That's the technical name, criminally insane. They killed people, okay. They're out at lunch. And he's just walking around saying hi to people. And he notices there's only one single guard. And he walks up to the guard and he says, aren't you afraid? And the guard said, well, why? He said, well, aren't you afraid of all these people? They're crazy, you know? And they killed people and they'd overpower you and then escape and run through the city. He said, no, I'm not afraid at all. He said, why not? He said, well, because paranoid psychotics never unite. If you can't get along with other Christians, look in the mirror. You might be a paranoid psychotic. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, okay? That's what I learned from him. I'm paranoid if I can't just say hi to another believer that goes to a different kind of church than I go to. You're listening to Pastor Ed Ray on Grow in Grace. We're making our way through John's Gospel. Here's Pastor Ed with more on the high priestly prayer of Jesus from John chapter 17. This is the best illustration I've, I've ever heard. And the guy speaking was a Baptist, okay? And I don't mean to offend anybody. It could have been a Lutheran, could have been a Methodist, could have been a Catholic, whatever. He just happened to be a Baptist. So he told this story that way. He said... Once I was in San Francisco, and I had a chance to walk across the Golden Gate Bridge. As I walked, I saw a guy on the bridge about ready to jump. And I thought to myself, I'll try and stall him, slow him down, at least until I get my film loaded in my camera. It's a joke, but it's, it's hilarious. I said to him, don't jump. He turned his head. And you've heard of the elephant man. This guy had a head like the head of a horse. My heart went out to him. I said, why the long face? He said, all my life, people have called me mean names like cruel, sea biscuit, or chess piece, or trigger. Nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. He said, how do you know that there's a God? And I said, of course there's a God. Do you think that billions of years ago, a bunch of molecules floating around at random without rhyme or reason could someday have the sense of humor to make you look like that? He said, I guess you're right. And he had a tear in his eyes. I said, what are you? Are you Christian? Are you Muslim? Are, are you a Hindu? He said, I'm a Christian. I said, small world. So am I. Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, so am I. 
what franchise? He said, Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, well, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? You know where this is going. He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Fundamental Baptist or Northern Conservative Reform Baptist? And he said, Northern Conservative Fundamental Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Fundamental Baptist Great Lakes Region? or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Eastern Region. He said, Northern Conservative Fundamental Baptist Great Lake Region. I said, heretic, and I pushed him off the bridge. <laughs> Paul the Apostle wrote to the Ephesians these words, Ephesians 4.3, endeavoring to keep unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's what we're called to do. Not uniformity. We don't have to stand up at the same time, wear all the same clothes, have cookie-cutter Christians. No. Just if you want to start a fight, ask somebody about how you should worship. Another Christian. Well, how do you worship in your church? Well, we have an organ and we have choirs. So praise God. How do you worship? Well, uh, we have acoustic guitars and it's good worship. This guy says to me the other day, he was trying to insult me. He said, oh, you go to that rock and roll church. I thought he was a compliment. I said, well, praise God, we are. You see how many things, now just let your mind go, all the things that people fight over in churches. When Jesus said, be one, go into all the world and share his love. The glory, verse 22, which you gave me, I've given them. Glory displayed majesty. That's what Jesus is talking about. Well, what do you mean displayed? Jesus was God compressed down into a little six, seven pound baby. But every once in a while it would pop out. Remember he went to the Mount of Transfiguration and his disciples were there, all of a sudden burst into light. And there's Moses and Elijah with him and they're all doing FaceTime. They're down on the ground. And Jesus went, oops, sorry, just a little, little out. That's who he really was. He walked by a crack that Moses was in, so Moses could see at his back as he walked by, because you can't see God in the flesh and live. That's what he said. Moses looked at it, and for the next month, his face shone like a searchlight. That's the glory of Jesus. Now, when we get to heaven, we'll see him. And then something happens. Paul said, seeing him, you will be like him. The glory which you gave me, I've given them. Well, it doesn't show yet, Pastor. <laughs> I know. Verse 28, I and them and you and me. Still talking to Father God. Jesus in you and Father God in him, Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Paul said. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. When you surrender your life to God, God, Forgive my sins, take my life. The Holy Spirit takes out your heart of stone. I'll put it on me. Took out my heart of stone. It was hard. It was rock hard. And he put his Holy Spirit within me. And he wrote upon my new heart his law of love. Love God with your whole heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
And he said, and I will cause you to walk in my ways. That's the new covenant. That's the New Testament. It's in both Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36. Go look it up. That's what happens when you surrender your life to You change your want to. He changes it from the inside out. That's his glory in you. In you. And the last part of this is a mind blower that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus speaking. Father God loves you in the same way, that's what the word means, desires you to have a relationship with you the same way that he loves Jesus. I don't know how to explain that. Besides, it's his choice. He wants to have that intimate, personal relationship with you. Well, how do I get it? Stop, get quiet before him without anybody around and say, God, I need you. Forgive my sins, take my life, and you're going to be changed. You'll never be the same. Pray that prayer. Verse 24, I desire them. You also gave them to me they, that they may behold my glory. They can see my, my display of who I am. You loved me before the foundation of the world. What? Now, I believe this verse is impossible for your brain, my brain, to understand. He's talking about eternity. He says that you love me and you love them the same way you love me. It started before the earth was made. Literally, it says before the cosmos, stellar space was made. Now, I think that's beyond any human's mind to go. But let me try you. Think back before the earth was created before stellar space was created, before any angel was created, before time began, before the fourth dimension was placed in the creation. Before that, three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always were. Why did Jesus say that? Because they always will be into the future just as far. The Hebrew word means eternity. For eternity means beyond the vanishing point. Meaning your brain can't go that far. You can't go that far back. Nor can your brain go that far forward. Because it's all based upon sequence of time. What? Events. Yesterday. The day before. There is no time in eternity before time was, and for as long as there isn't time, eternity goes on. 25. O righteous Father, the world has not known you. Babylon doesn't know you, but I have known you, and these know, have known that you sent me. They understand I came from heaven, and I'm going back to heaven, but there I will be praying and have direction on your life. Last verse. I've declared to them your name. Your name? I am. I've told them about you, that, that you are the Savior, that you are the Redeemer, that you are peace, that you are a physician. You are the Holy One of Israel, the great I am. You are the bright and morning star. You are whatever any person needs in the world. You are it. Jesus is what we all need and will ever need. 
If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today is the day to give your heart to the great I Am. Thanks for joining us for Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We're going through the Gospel of John together from start to finish. For a CD copy of today's message, just call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or you can listen online at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find an archive of past radio programs there too, which comes in handy should you miss a message on the radio. Go to thepackinghouse.org and look for our radio page. You know, it takes a team to bring Grow and Grace to you, and we look to our listeners to help make all of this possible. We have an exciting resource to tell you about. It's True Spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. After serving the Lord as a pastor for many years, Francis began to wonder if Christianity really made a difference in people's lives. True spirituality, you could say, is the result of his effort to re-examine his faith. And if you want to discover what true spirituality looks like in everyday life, this is the book for you. We'll send you a copy when you support Grow in Grace today with a gift of any amount. And as you give, you'll be helping many others around the country and around the world to grow in grace as well. Just give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in John's Gospel with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is presented by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now build with hands and in this place God will dwell with man. Sit be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love and harmony. I said let this world know me by your